Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. COVID-19 is affecting everyone in the country. Many people are facing struggles right now that no one could have foreseen. Layoffs, loss of income, isolation, others find they're working longer and harder hours with lots of stress. No matter where you fit into this list, one thing is for certain, we need peace now more than ever. That's why Pastor Lynn is doing a series simply titled Peace. Join us for part 11, Peace in a Troubled World. Here's Pastor Lynn. Vacation time is upon us, so it made it a little bit easier to social distance today, especially our first two services and uh, everything, but we're glad you uh, came to be with us. A little bit of information on a couple things. One, uh, we told you last week we thought we had won the bid on the property uh, beside of us, the old spa building. Uh, We had that confirmed this week. We did win the bid on that. Uh, We do not know when the closing date will be just yet, but as soon as that takes place, we'll be able to uh, uh, get in there and try and do some things to take care of uh, transforming it maybe into a a, a usable space for us. Uh, So um, be praying about that. We thank you for you giving faithfully because so far that's enabled us to uh, purchase that, uh, hopefully without borrowing any money. We don't know what we'll run into in the future with sinkholes out there. Uh, So yes, we just paid $90,000 for two sinkholes. Uh, but well, one was already ours, so I guess. Uh, but we we thank you for um, uh, for doing that uh, and everything. Uh, second thing, I was joking with people the last service. I, I am trying to be a walking advertisement today. Uh, I'm wearing a, a shirt. Uh, for the local bean coffee shop uh, because that's where we bought our coffee from uh, when we were serving you coffee. Hopefully we'll get beyond everything before long and be able to do that again. But a lot of you drink coffee, so if you're going to get coffee somewhere, why not go to where their slogan starts out with uh, love Jesus first, you know? Uh, So it's a Christian-based company, so that's kind of why we try to uh, support them. Uh, On our Father's Day winners, uh, we did the uh, online drawing last week. And um, we're not uh, able to announce it because we uh, just had you to register in online. Uh, so we, we found out, one, uh, Johnny Johnson, and Johnny couldn't be with us today because Mel was not feeling well. Uh, but he won one of the Father's Day uh, uh, prizes, which was $100 cash. Uh, and, and then the second one was, was a Jeffrey East. And I didn't know who Jeffrey East was, but I knew one of my neighbors and somebody comes to the church, their last name was East. So uh, I called up there asking who Jeffrey was and found out that was Scott. So for now, you can call Scott Jeffrey uh, when you see him. And uh, Alicia, he does have the $100 now that he can spend on you. Uh, and, and everything later. So anyway, we wanted to uh, uh, congratulate them uh, on that. Need to give you a couple of prayer requests and we'll pray. We're going to be going to um, uh, John 16, verse 33. So if you want to maybe find your place there as I give you a couple of prayer requests and, and that's the verse of scripture we'll primarily uh, focus on today. Uh, my wife came and showed me a prayer request that was sent through Facebook uh, just a few moments ago. It was for a Margaret Klein. Uh, Margaret Klein is the mother of Marsha Brewer, uh, who attends our church uh, some and had been back a lot recently. Uh, that is her mother, and she had a stroke. Uh, and she has been taken to Baptist Hospital. So uh, let's remember uh, Margaret Klein 
uh, Marsha Brewer's mother, in our prayers. Uh, Ronnie Talbert, some of you saw an email go out uh, uh, asking prayer for Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie is Dan Talbert, who would stand out there at our coffee, make our coffee for us, is, is Dan's brother. And uh, Ronnie's not been around recently because of health concerns and, and different things, but you, uh, many of you would have known Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie would walk around. Sometimes he'd have a, a cane with him. Uh, he had had a uh, brain tumor years ago. Uh, so had, um, he, he seemed a little bit slow sometimes, but he'd walk around, greet everybody. Uh, he, uh, really liked hugging all the lady folks. We had talked to him about that every now and then, but it's just him being innocent in, uh, doing it. And, uh, and, and Ronnie, whenever you'd ask Ronnie how he was doing, his pat phrase, he would say it every time he would say another day, another day. Uh, Ronnie got put in hospice this week and, uh, because of lung cancer, uh, found, I was over there with him last night, found out that, that he passed away at 10 o'clock this morning. Uh, so uh, another day, another day has a new meeting for him today because he's having another day, uh, the best day of his life. He gets to see Jesus face to face. Amen. Uh, so we do not know any arrangements or anything yet, but let's, uh, let, let's pray for that family and also pray for Marcia's mother real quick before we jump into our, our scripture this morning. Father, we, uh, we pray for Ms. Klein, for Margaret Klein. We know you're not surprised at all by the stroke that she's had. We pray you uh, guide them and help them at Baptist Hospital to minister to her and help her to recover. Uh, Father, we thank you for Ronnie Talbert's life. We pray for his family. Uh, Father, we thank you that he did know you. And uh, we thank you, Lord, that uh, that he is truly having another day, uh, the best day this morning. Be with the family and, and comfort them uh, during this time of loss. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Uh, amen. Another thing I meant to say about Ronnie, and, and if you've been around here very long, uh, Ronnie would sit back here on the back sometimes, and sometimes he'd say amen at the most inopportune times. It, it wasn't a time to say amen, but, it's a, but at least he'd say amen, you know, so it was uh, you know, an encouragement, even though it might not have been something to say amen to, but he would, uh, he would do that sometimes. Uh, guys, uh, this whole series is because Jesus wants us to uh, have peace as his followers. Uh, he, he wants us to experience peace. He wants his disciples, those uh, original disciples, to experience peace. And, and that's why in the passage we're going to look at today, he was preparing them for some things that were going to happen. Uh, because here shortly he's going to be uh, arrested, uh, abused, uh, crucified, uh, buried, and, and that's really going to rock their world some uh, whenever that happens. So he's going to give them some reasons for peace. Uh, the primary focus of uh, John 16 deals with the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to kind of walk through a quick outline, just so you'll know what the background to uh, John 16 is. Uh, Jesus is uh, teaching about the Holy Spirit of God, and he's telling his disciples that the Holy Spirit convicts the world. It convicts the world of sin. It convicts the world of righteousness. In verse 10, it convicts the world of judgment. Uh, and, and then the next main theme about the Holy Spirit in verse 12 through 15 is that the Holy Spirit instructs the Christian. So if you know Christ as your Savior, 
Spirit. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you, and he helps to teach you, helps to instruct you. Third thing is the Holy Spirit encourages the Christian also. So once again, if you know Christ as your Savior, God, the Holy Spirit, is living inside of you, and he will encourage you. And then lastly, uh, the Spirit helps the Christian to pray, verse 23 through 33. Uh, so he's there helping us to pray, know what to pray for, and he's praying for us also. Uh, so the fact that Jesus is teaching about the Holy Spirit and the fact that, that we as disciples of Christ modern day, we as a follower, Christ have the Holy Spirit living in us, that ought to encourage us to know that God lives inside of us. Also, uh, chapter 16, of course, comes right before 17. That's pretty elementary. Uh, but uh, it's a send-off passage to where it's going to talk about the, the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Some people call the, the model prayer, uh, you know, that Jesus gave his disciples to pray the Lord's Prayer. That's not really the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is really found in John 17. And guys, it ought to be an extreme encouragement when you read John 17 to, to know that Jesus prayed for us and he's still praying for us. Amen. He's at the right hand of the Father praying for us today. That's the reason for you to have peace in a troubled world. But, but look at, at our focal text today, the main verse we're looking at, uh, John 16, verse 33. I want you to see four things in just a moment from this verse. Jesus telling his original disciples there, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus directly speaks to his disciples of having peace in a world where there's trouble. Like I said, the immediate application is all that's going to take place as soon as Jesus is arrested and everything is going to wind up taking place there. Uh, they're, they're going to be kind of knocked sideways a little bit because the one they followed for three years, all of a sudden he's arrested, he's beaten, he's crucified, he's buried, and he's preparing them for that. He knew they were going to have a world of trouble. He knew on the other side, even of the resurrection, as they go out to spread the gospel, the world wasn't going to be their fan, and they would have some trouble in their world. Guys, our world is still a place of trouble. Amen? Amen? Have you been watching the news? Okay. But it is, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest this morning. We live in a world that's got a lot of trouble going on. Right now, a lot of it taking place. So, so we need to be prepared for facing trouble in the world. We need to be prepared for a world that's going to be in opposition to those who follow Jesus. We need to be prepared to know how we can have peace even though we're in a troubled world. So look at these four things. To begin with, you and I, if you know Christ as your Savior, if not, you need to consider that today. But if you know Christ as your Savior, you and I can have peace from the words of Jesus. Look what Jesus said to his disciples. I have told you these things. Now he's going to go on and say, so that in me you can have peace. But, but because Jesus has told us these things. Now, now Jesus told the original disciples a lot of things. I mean, from the moment he came by their boats or came by their tax table and he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He, he taught them. He told them a lot of things. Specifically, the context, though, here in 
John chapter 16 is that Jesus is going to tell them some specific things here in John 16 that can help his disciples have the needed truth they need. He's going to give them the words they need to help them have peace in a troubled world. Now, I'm going to hit the highlights of this. If you want to kind of have your Bible open and and look at John 16 for a minute, and Jesus tells his disciples this. He says the Holy Spirit, he calls it the spirit of truth, will guide them in all truth in verse 13, the first part of it. The Holy Spirit will tell the disciples what is yet to come. And the Holy Spirit does that for us also. The Holy Spirit will make known to the disciples the things of Christ, which Jesus said also are the things that belong to the Father. That's in verse 15. The disciples will not see him. And he's warning them, hey, there's there's coming a time right now you're not going to see me for a little while. And I think probably there's a dual context there. Jesus is going to be arrested. He's going to be abused. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be buried. So there's going to be a short time right there. They don't see him. But then he says, you're going to see me again. Now, I think also that has a future tense reference. There's coming a time when Jesus is going to send back to the Father and the Holy Spirit's going to be their comforter. But he's warning them, hey, you're not going to see me, but then you will see me again. And he, and he tells them that their grief, even though they're going to mourn as the world rejoices, because that's what happened. The uh, religious Pharisees and everybody, they thought, you know what? Uh, we'll get them to do away with Jesus, crucify Jesus. We'll put him in the grave. Now we're done with him. So some of those people were rejoicing in that time. And the disciples were mourning and crying. And they were filled with sadness. But guess what happened? On the other side of that, when he took his life back up, they were filled with joy. Because they got to see him and realize what he had accomplished. What he had done by going to the cross and taking his life back up. So Jesus tells them, even though you're going to weep and mourn, while the world rejoices, your grief will be turned to joy. He he also tells them this, you're going to see me again. And once you see me again, you'll rejoice and no one will be able to take away your joy. He tells that to the disciples. And then he tells his disciples, hey, you're not going to have to keep asking me everything. Did you ever notice in the ministry of Jesus, the disciples had a lot of questions? They'd come and ask this and ask that and ask that. He's saying, hey, there's going to be a new relationship between you and the Father. You'll be able to go right straight to the Father in my name and ask him. And as they got that answered prayer, they would have additional reasons for joy in their life because their joy could be complete by the relationship they had with the Father. And Jesus tells them the Father loves them because they loved and believed in Jesus. Now, that's what he said to those original disciples because they had this relationship with Jesus. But guys, all of that has application to us if you know Christ as your Savior. So let me walk back through that. If you know Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit will guide you in all truth. He guides us in truth. The world wants to guide us in falsehood, but the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us will guide us in truth. The Holy Spirit can teach us about prophecy, can teach us about things that are yet to come. The Holy Spirit can make known to us the things of Jesus, which, by the way, again, are the things of God. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, and that may not seem like it's fun to be convicted of sin, but thank God the Holy Spirit convicted me of sin, because had the Holy Spirit not convicted Lynn Parsons of sin, Lynn Parsons wouldn't understand he needed a Savior. 
Peter. And the, the Holy Spirit not only convicts us of sin, it points us to the cross. It points us to the empty tomb. It, it points us to the gospel so we can have faith in him and have joy as a result of that. The Holy Spirit encourages us just like he encouraged the disciples. The Holy Spirit confirms in our hearts because the Bible tells us this, that one day we will see Jesus face to face. And when we see him face to face, we're going to have a joy that the world cannot rob from us whatsoever, no matter what might have happened in the world. Once we see him face to face, once he comes back to rule and reign as king of kings and lord of lords, you know what? You won't won't think twice about the Corona 19 virus. You you won't worry about anything negative that's ever happened in your world. You're not going to be overburdened with the things you've been through in life because you're going to have a joy that can't be taken away from you. The Holy Spirit confirms that even though we have trouble, even though we have times in our heart that we weep and we go through problems, we have sorrow, the Holy Spirit can confirm in our life that our trouble one day will be turned into joy that no one can take away from us. The Holy Spirit prays for us and and God answers our prayers. So that ought to give us more complete joy. And just like Jesus told those original disciples, the Father loves you because you've loved me and you've believed in me. Guess what this morning, guys? If you love Jesus and you believe in Jesus, the Father loves you. Those are just some reasons why we ought to have peace no matter what's going on in our world. Because of the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I have told you these things. And guys, expand that a little bit. It's not just the words of Jesus, it's all the word of God. It's all that God tells us. This ought to encourage us and and give us peace in, in a troubled world. Second thing I want you to notice is this. We ought to have peace because of the words of Jesus, but we also ought to have peace because of our position in Jesus, because of our position in Christ. Look at what he said next in in verse 33. He, He said, I've said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. He said, I've told you all this in order that, so that in order that in me. And there's a word that he uses, we, you know, the the Greek just has so much richness in it. And and you'd read over the little word in and not think twice about it. But the word that's used here in the Greek means to, to be in a fixed position or a relation of rest. What Jesus is saying is this, when you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you are in him permanently. Nothing can change that. No matter what's going on in your world, no matter what you're facing in your life, if you are in him, you are in him forever. And because of that, we can have peace. And that phrase means you can hold as a possession or a condition peace. You you can hold on to the fact that you've been joined back together with God. Even though you're a sinner, you've been brought back together with God. But you trust in Christ as your Savior. You are set at one again with God. And that means you can have quietness and rest in your life. That's the definition of the word. When, When you trust in the finished sacrificial work of Jesus upon the cross, as payment, full and final payment for your sins. Here's what happened. God takes you from where you were, a lost sinner. And he moves you from that and he brings you back into a relationship with the Holy God. He puts you in the family of God. He opens the door for you to have eternal life with the Father. That's what happens the moment you are placed in Christ. And once you're in Christ, that never, ever changes. I'm afraid we let our our joy or our peace be conditional upon the way we feel about what's going on in the world. 
That's not why I ought to have peace. That's not why you ought to have peace. If you know Christ is your Savior, you ought to have peace because you understand this. You are in Christ, and nothing can change that. Nothing in this world, nothing you'll ever face, nothing outside of this world can ever change the fact that you are in Christ. We can have peace if you know you're in Christ in a fixed position. You can be in a relation of rest. I'm just kind of going through the word study again and making an application for you. You can be in a relation of rest because you're in Christ. This gives you to hold as your possession peace. Because you're in Christ, this gives you the condition of peace. Because you know you've been joined together to holy God through Christ. Because you know you were separated by sin, but now you've been set at one again. That's what the word peace means. You can have quietness and rest in your life no matter what you're facing in the world. Even though we face trouble in this world, we can still have peace if we're in Christ. Now, here's, here's why we don't believe that sometimes. The world will try to tell you, well, you just need to trust in yourself. You just need to believe in yourself. The world will tell you, follow your heart or be true to your heart. You don't know the problem with that? The Bible says the heart's deceitfully wicked and, and nobody can know it. That's the problem with following your heart. Guys, we may not like this truth, but it's true either regardless. The truth is this. In us, in me, just like I am all by myself, in you, just like you are, left your own devices, in us, we have nothing. In Christ, in him, we have everything we need. And if we will focus upon the fact that we're in Christ, we can have peace even though we have trouble in our world. Third thing I want you to notice this morning is, is this. The third thing that can help you have peace in a troubled world is this. You can have peace through knowing what to expect. Through knowing what to expect. Now, here's what I mean by that. If you know to expect something, it, it doesn't shock you so much when it happens. You understand what I'm saying? If you have some previous knowledge, you've got pretty good information that something may happen. When it comes to fruition, when it happens, you, you're not shocked by it as much because you already knew it would take place. If you've been told something's going to happen then when it happens, it shouldn't knock you in the ditch. It shouldn't knock you off the path that God wants you to, to be on so much. So here, here's our problem. <laughs> we allow ourselves to lie to ourselves, and we start thinking, well, because I'm right with Jesus, everything if you listen to the health and wealth crowd, that's what they're telling you. If you know Christ is your Savior, everything in your life is going to be okay. You're going to have plenty of money, plenty of wealth, plenty of health. If you know Christ is your Savior, then it's like your, your life's going to be like walking through a rose garden. And people will believe that, and they'll put on these rose-colored glasses and look at the world as though they think everything's going to be smooth, everything's going to be okay in the world. But that's not what Jesus said. See, if, if we understand what Jesus said here, we can be more prepared for what's about to come our way. Jesus wanted his disciples to be prepared for what was about to happen, to be prepared that he's going to be arrested. They had followed him, loved him, listened to him for three years. All of a sudden, he's going to be arrested, beaten, abused, nailed to a cross, and buried, and he wanted them to be prepared for it. He wanted them to be prepared for the way the world would treat them on the other side of them going out and serving him and trying to spread the gospel.
Jesus told his disciples this. You see, we skip over these parts of the Bible. Jesus said, if the world hated me, it's going to hate you. So, so why are we to delude ourselves into thinking the world's going to love us because we're Christians? No, the opposite's true. And Jesus warned his disciples. Here's what Jesus said. In this world, you will have trouble. Now, it's interesting the way Jesus phrased things. A moment ago, he used the word in, and it meant a fixed position of peace. He used the same word here. And that means whether you like it or not, you're in a fixed position of this world. You, you can't escape this world. You, there's nowhere else for you to go. And I've read recently that they're thinking about opening up the, you know, the space uh, work again and, and everything and maybe make a trip to Mars. You might be thinking, good, I can get out of here. I can go to Mars. Well, I don't know what Mars is going to be like on top of that. But right now, I'm just telling you, you can't do it. You, you can't do it. David once said in the Psalms, oh, that I could grow wings and fly away. It's like if I could grow wings, I could fly away from the trouble that I have in my life. There's a problem with that. David didn't have wings. You don't have wings. I don't have wings. Whether we like it or not, we're caught up in a world system. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about the, the, the globe out here in the solar system when he says world. He's not talking about the ground and the earth we walk on. He uses a word that means the world system. That's what he's talking about, the the orderly arrangement of the world. And guys, we live in a messed up world. We live in a world that's been impacted by sin. We don't live in a perfect world. We live in a world that has a messed up system. And Jesus is just telling them that. In this world, you're in a fixed position in this world. He he said, you are going to have trouble. Interesting again to me, where he said you can hold on to peace like it's your personal possession, like it's your condition. He uses the same word in the same tense here for trouble. So like it or not, guys, as we live in this world system, we're going to hold as our possession, as our condition, tribulation. This is what the word trouble means. Tribulation, pressure, affliction, anguish, burden, persecution. The root word means to crowd. Have you ever felt like the things going on in your life has crowded you into a corner? Kind of, kind of backed you up into the corner and, and everything's just pressing in on you? The, the word also meant this. It meant to be in a rut or a worn track. And what that alluded to was a threshing sled. The, the Romans called it the trebellum sled, and uh, they, that's where the word tribulation actually came from also. But a, a threshing sled was this. Back in that day and time, to separate the grain out from the chafe, they would take this heavy sled. And underneath that heavy sled, in the runners of that sled, they would put bits of flint or stone or metal and things like that. And when that heavy sled was dragged back and forth, back and forth over the, over the grain, what happened was this. It separated out the part that was beneficial from the part that was no good to eat. Now, guys, I think there's a lesson in that. That's the way we ought to view trouble in our lives or trouble in our world. God wants to separate out the things that are beneficial from us from the things that aren't beneficial for us. And as we face trouble or pressure, it's like that separation is taking place. Jesus is telling us you will face trouble in the world. 
Notice what Jesus did not say. Jesus did not say this. Jesus did not say, in this world, you may have some problems every now and then. That's not what he said, is it? Instead, with the full omniscience of deity, with the full foreknowledge of God, and that's who Jesus was in the flesh, with the full foreknowledge of God, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Matter of fact, in the verse right before our focal verse, look what Jesus said to the disciples. Verse 32, but a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered each to his own home. You will leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Jesus, God in the flesh, knew that when they arrested him, the disciples were going to forsake him. Matter of fact, it was in prophecy. Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 7 tells us that the shepherd would be smitten and the sheep would scatter. That's what happened when they arrested Jesus. All the disciples took off. They ran off. He, he knew it was going to happen. But even though it was going to happen, he, he said, I, even though you leave me alone, I'm not going to be alone because the Father would be with him. The Father was with him when he was arrested. The Father was with him when he was beaten and abused. There was only one time in the history of all history that the Father ever turned his back on the Son. And that's when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he had my sin and your sin and the sin of all the world placed upon him. And he cried out and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the only time that the Father ever turned his back on the Son because he had the sin of all mankind placed upon him. By the way, that's in prophecy also in Psalm 22 and verse 1. The Bible says he was made sin for us. Think about it in these terms. Jesus was separated in that moment on the cross, bearing our sin. He was separated from the Father so that through faith in him, you and I would never have to be separated from the Father. Jesus was alone in that moment, hanging on the cross in the darkness. He was alone so you and I never have to be alone. If we'll trust Christ as our Savior, the Father will always be with us. Jesus said, I'll never forsake you. I'm, I'm with you always. He, that was part of the Great Commission. He, he said, I'm with you always, even the end of the age. And then in Hebrews 13, it tells us this in verse 5. It tells us that the Lord has said, that Jesus has said, I will never leave you. No, never, ever leave you and, and forsake you. Guys, we live, whether we like it or not, in a fallen world. It's the only world we have. That's why Jesus said, you will have trouble in the world. This world is impacted by the ravages of sin. As for right now, whether you like it or not, you're in a fixed position of living in a world culture that brings trouble our way, that's filled with trouble. This world system that we live in is diametrically opposed to God and God's will. Just understand up front, you will have trouble. You might not like it, but your possession is going to be trouble. Your, your condition is going to be trouble. You're going to face tribulation and persecution and pressure, affliction, anguish, and burdens because of this fallen world system. Circumstances in your life and my life sometimes will back us into a corner and make us feel like we're in a rut, in a worn track, and the world is dragging this heavy sled back across our lives. But if you know up front that you're going to have that kind of trouble... You can be more prepared to face it by faith when it happens. One last thing you need to see from this verse. First thing was this. We ought to be able to have peace 
in our lives because of the words of Jesus. We ought to have peace in our lives if you know Christ as Savior because of your position in Christ. If you know Christ, you've been put in Christ permanently. That will never, ever change. You, you ought to be able to have peace in life, at least a degree of peace, by knowing what may happen, by knowing what may come. That's why Jesus said you're going to have trouble in the world. But the last thing's the best thing, guys. We ought to be able to have peace through the victory of Jesus. Jesus said, I've told you these things. Jesus said, so that in me you can have peace. Jesus told his followers, in this world you're going to have trouble. But then Jesus says this, the very last part of verse 33, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, some translations say, be of good cheer. That's one of the words, the phrases that Jesus liked to use. He's saying contrary-wise, instead of being so worried about the trouble, instead of being so worried about what you're going through in the world, instead of doing that, you need to have courage. That's what the word takes heart means. You need to have courage. You need to be of good cheer. The root word means you need to be daring. You need to have boldness. And the reason we ought to be of good cheer and be daring and have boldness and courage in our lives is because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. The, the word that he uses for I there is one of those things we might jump over. But the word I in the, in the, in the way it's used here in the original Greek means I, it, it means I emphatically. So what Jesus is about to say he is, is like he's saying, hey, I, I, I really, really have done this. I have overcome the world. I've subdued the world. I've conquered the world. I've overcome the world. I, I'm, I've prevailed against the world. I, I'm getting the victory against the world. The root word means conquest. Jesus is saying, I, I, I'm getting ready to have a conquest. Uh, the means of success, the victory that I'm going to experience is through the cross. I'm going to have victory over the world system, the same word that he used earlier. I'm going to have victory over this world-fallen system. The words of Jesus to us... The same words that he gave to these disciples are this, but take heart, be of good cheer. Jesus loved to say that to his disciples. Even though they would have trouble in the world, Jesus wants his followers to have courage to be of good cheer. In spite of the world around us or the trouble that we're facing, Jesus wants his followers to be daring to have boldness. Guys, that's what he wants you to have in your life. He doesn't want you to be beaten down by this world system. Instead, he, he doesn't want us as Christians to say, well, the world doesn't like us anymore. And the world doesn't like the church anymore. The world doesn't like Christians anymore. And us slip into a shell. No, he wants us, in spite of that, to have boldness and courage and be of good cheer. And the reason is, because you might ask yourself, well, well how, how can I do that? If I'm living in a world filled with trouble, how can I be of good cheer? Because Jesus overcame the world. <laughs> Jesus beat the world system. Hey, the, the same world system that trips you and I up never tripped up Jesus. The, the same world system that, that drug us down into sin never pulled him into sin. Because the Bible teaches he was a sinless, perfect lamb of God. Had Jesus sinned, he couldn't be our ultimate sacrifice. But he never sinned. He beat the world system. The world system that so often trips us up and beats us. Jesus beat the world system. And Jesus said this, by the way, on the front of the cross. 
Jesus said before he went to the cross, before he took his life back up, he said, I have overcome past tense. He said, I've already done it. It's not even happened yet. But he said, past tense, I have overcome the world. Because Jesus knew that was what was going to happen. What the world would look at and think, man, that was a bad thing, being nailed and you know, beaten and nailed and, and crucified and then, and then buried. That, that don't look much like victory. But it was the ultimate victory because it was through that Jesus paid the price for our sins. He knew that his cross and his burial and his resurrection was simply the pathway to victory. Jesus knew he was about to subdue, conquer, overcome, prevail, and get the once and all victory over Satan. Jesus knew that his cross, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection was a great conquest. It was a means to success. It was victory over this fallen world system that Satan wants to rule over. And through it, he wants to rule over us. I think most of you have probably heard me say this before. Jesus did this. Jesus beat Satan with a stick. The stick, the cross that Satan thought he was going to use to beat Jesus, Jesus transformed that into a place of victory. He he took it and he beat Satan forever with his sacrificial death on the cross. And guys, because Jesus did that and took his life back up, you and I as his disciples ought to be of good cheer. Because we're in him, we ought to have peace. Somehow we've allowed ourselves to believe a lie about peace. I think the worldly definition of peace is this. Peace, people view peace as being the absence of conflict or pressure or trouble in their lives. That's not peace. Real peace is this. Peace is not the absence or conflict, the absence of conflict or pressure. Peace can be ours because we are in Christ in the very middle of a world that wants to bring us trouble because Christ has already overcome the world. We can have peace in spite of what's taking place. We can have peace in a troubled world because of the words of Jesus. Guys, every believer is either this. Every believer is is either overcome by the world or you're an overcomer in the world that you live in. Here's why I say that. 1 John 5, verse 4, the Bible says, And this is the victory that overcomes the world. You want to know how to overcome the world, all the trouble, everything you're going through? All the the negative feelings you may be having because of the COVID virus and all the racial friction and everything's taking place in your world. How do you overcome all that? Your faith in him. Your faith in him. Quit looking for happiness by the world just being a nice place. Understand your happiness is tied to the fact that you're in him. That you trust in Christ as your savior. The world doesn't want you to conform. The world doesn't want you to follow Jesus. The world doesn't want you to be an overcomer. That's why the world system is constantly, constantly trying to pull us down. What what we need to remember and do is this, guys. What we need to remember and do is stop looking so much at the world and start remembering that we, if you know Christ as Savior, that you are in Christ. And because you are in Christ, 
you can have peace in a troubled world. Let me read it to you again. John 16, verse 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Father, forgive us when we spend so much time looking at the world system. Lord, not just looking at the world system, but by being affected by the world system. Sometimes allowing the world system to transform us and change us when we ought to be allowing the gospel to change us. Your spirit inside of us to change us. Father, help us in the midst of a troubled world. Help us to hear the words of Jesus. Help us, Father, to understand because we are in Christ, we can have peace. Father, if there's anyone that's gathered in this place this morning or anyone that's watching online this morning that doesn't have peace, Father, give them the faith they need to trust in Jesus. Help them to hear the words of Jesus. Help them to hear the gospel. Father, help them to move from being in their sin to being in Christ by faith in the finished work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. God, help us to be prepared for trouble. You told us, you tell us that in the world we'll have trouble. Help us to be prepared to face it by faith. Help us to remember in a troubled world, you've overcome that world through your cross and through your resurrection. Father, help us to have peace in the midst of the world that we live in. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can't have that peace. Those of you that are watching online, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've got to do the same thing that anyone that's ever trusted Christ, Billy Cram or any believer in the past you want to mention or think about. They had to admit they're a sinner. I'm a sinner. All of us are sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Then we have to trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. When you do that, God takes you from where you are, and he puts you in Christ in a permanent relationship with Christ that never changes, where you can never, ever lose your salvation. If you've never trusted him, if anyone here has never trusted him, why not do that today and get that settled today? Maybe as a believer, you'd have to admit this morning, you know what, I've been, I, I've been looking at, at, at all the trouble in the world. I have too. Let's admit it. We all have. Maybe you and I, maybe all of us, maybe the believers online that, that are watching, maybe we need to do this. Maybe we need to say, I'm going to quit looking so much at the trouble, and I'm going to look at the one that overcome the world. I'm going to remember I'm in Christ. And I can have peace even though there's trouble in the world because Jesus overcame the world. Maybe as a believer, you need to pray and say, God, help me to change my focus. Help me to change my focus to Jesus and what he's accomplished for me instead of the trouble in the world. Please stand. John and myself will be at the front. If you need somebody to pray with you, please come. If you need just to stand there and pray yourself. But listen to the Holy Spirit that's in you if you know Christ as your Savior. If you don't know him, maybe listen to the Holy Spirit convicted you of your sin this morning. 
and consider trusting in Christ. Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you, and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances, and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.